Hello! Welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg. And today's guest, it's another live Q&A conversation with my monthly membership group, the team Never Giver Upper. It's Nicole Lowe's. She's so fucking rad. You guys are going to like this one. She is a somatic experiencing practitioner. She's a Feldenkrais practitioner. She's a former snowboard bum slash yoga teacher who is all about the feelings and the sensations and the happenings of the body. And in this conversation, we get deep about healing, about feeling, about separating beliefs from truth. She's really, really good. I think you're going to dig it. And I know that I say that kind of every episode because I interview geniuses all the time. But like in terms of healing modalities, in terms of offering an alternative lens to consider your life and what's going on, she's a powerhouse and she's got some really insightful ideas. I've included links in the show notes to all of her offerings, her website. She's got a free webinar that you can check out. I would encourage you to do that. And if you're interested in joining the team, Team Never Give Her Upper, we meet twice a month, once for a workshop that I lead, once for a live expert conversation like this one that you're listening to. And there's a a massive group text that's rad where we support and connect and encourage and just form a little rad community of like-minded souls who are helping each other do this wild thing called life. So I've included a link in the show notes for that as well. Without further ado, here is Nicole Lowe's. <laughs> there we go. Okay. There it is. It's red. It's red and it's a circle and I push it every week, but I can't <laughs> find it today. Uh, Nicole Lowe's, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jeremy. And welcome to Team Never Give Reppers. So you're, you're immersed in the Zoom room of... Uh, the squad of badass humans and we were having some chit chat but for those who have no idea who you are what you do like what's your deal nicole who who am i who are you (laughs) um first off i'd just like to say it's really amazing to be here i love that you're creating this experience for people to me communicate community is so important and like you were sharing earlier you know waking up and receiving texts and having this community to hold space with I think that's such an important important piece to life right now so I'm grateful to be welcomed into the community so thank you first of all and then who am I let's see I'll tell you my story because who I am I'm still trying to navigate and figure out but um ultimately my story started with a curiosity around movement. I'm a very body-based person. I absolutely love movement. I've always been active. I moved to Whistler, for those that don't know, it's a massive ski resort. Moved to Whistler right after high school so I could snowboard. Started doing yoga to help me in my snowboarding. Like my, my body has always been a big part of my life. And when I got into yoga um, back in 2000, it was like, whoa, this is amazing. What is this? I love this. And I got into teaching yoga and started to get confused, is the word I'll say, around the yoga realm in the Western world. And I loved the practice, but also was really struggling in uh, 
kind of this idea of what yoga was becoming in the Western world. And I kind of felt like I was losing sense of myself within the practice. So I kind of veered away from it, still taught it because it was my job. But I started getting even more curious about what else was there to learn about myself. I've always been curious about what can I do to get to know myself more. So I shifted gears from yoga and started dabbling into Feldenkrais. Has anyone heard of that? No, everyone's like, what kind of religion is this? Oh, one person. Amazing. So Feldenkrais is a movement-based practice, and it's named after Moshe Feldenkrais. And ultimately, to me, he's a genius. He knew what neuroplasticity was before neuroplasticity was a thing. He used movement to give people insight on how to get into their body and learn how to explore what their patterns and their habits were and how to be more efficient with how we use ourselves. So it's a movement-based practice. Again, I'm so body-based. It's like, yeah, give me more movement. And it allowed me to gain more of a sense of who I am through movement. So getting really curious of like, what is effort? When am I straining? When am I showing up in a way that isn't organic and in flow and is more rigid and stiff, right? And his practice is very uh, much on exploring the subtlety of movement. But what I got out of it and what I find a lot of people get out of the method is it's a way to get to know yourself more. So it's not just movement. It's like, let's dig into the deeper layers. And I still felt like I wasn't getting to the depth of things. I was teaching classes and I was also at that point teaching surfing. I'm a massive surfer. I absolutely love surfing and water is my happy place. That's for sure. And anytime I would teach people, whether it was surfing or yoga or Feldenkrais, I still felt like I was just teaching to the physical body, even though I was starting to grasp deeper layers there was this curiosity of how to see the core of who we all are instead of just seeing us as this physical structure. And I started to dive into more somatic experiencing modalities. So somatics, for those that don't know, somatics just means of the body. So all along my journey has been very body-based. It's been very somatic-based. And then I got into somatic experiencing, which is more working with the somatics to explore trauma. So really starting to understand our experiences in a physiological level and really looking at that to understand what's happening within our system. And that changed everything for me. It's like, okay, instead of just seeing us as these physical beings moving through the world, trying to make sense of our thoughts and how we show up as humans, this gave me a whole nother perspective of how we show up as a as a human in survival, as a human who is stuck within all these survival patterns, why am I in these survival patterns? What's happening at a physiological level and how do I support that? How do I shift away from trying to understand and make sense of and you know, find reason for what's happening and instead really get into the body and understand who I am at the core, at these deeper, deeper layers of what makes us us. So it's that somatic experiencing piece, which is the work of Peter Levine, that really, really got me intrigued and got me really curious about the missing link 
which then allowed me to piece together what I was learning through yoga, what I was learning through Feldenkrais, what I was learning in life, ultimately to really, really understand who I am and how I'm showing up and when I'm in my truth versus when I'm in my survival patterns. And to me, this somatic experiencing work and ultimately looking at things from a nervous system perspective and really understanding our survival physiology is so important. To me, it's like we need that piece to then understand and support ourselves in the rest of the work we do. So that's a little bit of my story and who I am. That was very professional. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah every time I say it, it just gets easier. So I'm getting to know myself more every time I get asked that question. So that's nice. That was very thorough and very good. <laughs> May I ask a follow-up question or please you? Of course. And then we've got the whole group if they've got questions. Um, actually, if you guys have questions, you can check them in the chat box and, and then I can call on you. Um, one question I have, and I'm sure you get this often, is what is the difference between standard psychotherapy, talk therapy, and somatic experiencing therapy that you do? Mm-hmm. Great question. So I'm a professional as well. Uh, and I very well prepared for this interview, as I stated. <laughs> one question or more questions? Just, that's basically the only one that I have prepared. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> yeah, so to me, because I'm not a psychotherapist, I don't fully know. I mean, I've gone to therapy, so I can speak to my experience around that. Um, but to me, somatic experiences, experiencing brings attention to Think the lower brain. Think about our reptilian brain that's responsible for resting, for digesting, for feeling safe, feeling social, feeling engaged with one another, as well as being able to kick in to fight or flee. And more also important, being able to freeze and shut everything down. That's kind of the role of our, our reptilian brain. And somatic experiencing supports ultimately the curiosity around the patterns that lie within how our nervous system and that part of our brain communicate. So trauma ultimately is us still stuck in a survival response. So it means that that lower part of our brain still thinks that there's danger Our midbrain's involved in this as well, but the, there's this belief that there's still something dangerous happening and we're stuck in the pattern of trying to protect ourselves. So somatic experiencing looks at that, the physiology of that. It looks at how our survival patterns are getting in the way or how we're stuck within those survival patterns. And we're working with completing those incomplete cycles. So we might be stuck in more of a um, startle response or we might be stuck on that alertness of like, oh, something's about to happen and I'm stuck in that space and I feel like everything around me is dangerous and I'm constantly on alert I'm hypervigilant and trying to take in the world what's happening what's happening what's happening or I might be stuck more on the startle response or anytime I hear a sound there's this like response to what's this what's that or I might be stuck more in a self-protecting response or a fight or flee response where I'm just constantly on because I think that I need to be on to be surviving this or I'm stuck totally shut down and unable to feel anything and disengaged and you know, not really responding at, 
all. So within that cycle, we can be stuck in all kinds of different places. And that's all happening within our lower, mid, lower brain and our nervous system. So somatic experiencing addresses not only that, because that's you know the core of the work, but we also look at the bigger picture. We're looking at uh, what affect is happening. Are there imagery, images that are showing up? Is there behavior showing up? Is there some meaning that's coming into the picture? And how do we weave ultimately the whole pieces, all of the pieces together? So looking at the survival pieces, but then also looking at the bigger picture and trying to piece together the puzzle so those incomplete stuck responses can start to shift and that our system can move from feeling like we're still in danger or still needing to survive into, oh, wait, I'm okay. It's safe. I can connect with people. I can rest. I can settle. So that's somatic experiencing. It's like looking at it from that perspective versus a lot of other modalities might look more at the story or trying to make sense of or trying to implement tools to shift things more from the higher brain, which also has its advantages. And my opinion is like, if we're still stuck in survival, we have to move out of that before we can implement these other practices to then really have them at a cellular level be experienced. Because if Mm. at a cellular level, we're still just trying to survive, the other things can kind of be more like band-aids in my opinion. Okay, so if I may attempt a sweeping generalization so that I can wrap my head around this a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Is it is it fair to assume that like talk therapy, coaching, going to a psychologist is focused on the more evolved mammalian brain that operates at the conscious choice level and that the somatic experiencing work is more targeted at the kind of ancestral reptilian subconscious stuff that we don't necessarily know is happening below the surface. I like that. Yeah. And I think other modalities bring awareness to that. I think somatic experiencing has just done a really good job at understanding the core of it. Okay. I just find this stuff fascinating. So Me too. If, if nobody has a question, I'm just going to keep jamming along. So the, it sounds like the basis of all of this is kind of, exploring and understanding the nervous system Mm -hmm. and how do you begin that process like like how do you begin to interrogate an individual's subconscious system um, when they might not necessarily even be aware of what's going on or how to describe it yeah it's, or just basically like Nicole, anything that you want to say right now is totally fine. Like, yeah, you can <laughs> just ramble like, away. If you're like, yeah, if you're like, you can just be a politician and be like, that's a great question. But I, what, <laughs> I, what I really want to talk about is co-regulation. Like, that's, it's all good. I can redirect all I want. Yeah, feel free. No, I think um, what's fascinating is we all, our system speaks to us on a regular basis. And we aren't taught to pay attention to that. So that's why I love this work. I'm so body-based. So for me to pay attention to what's happening in my body, it's like, yeah, game on. I I, I can feel this. I can feel a lot of things. And I think ultimately we all have the ability to feel what's happening for us. It's just a matter of learning how to pay attention. And that's my invitation here is for all of you to start to get curious about how your body speaks to you. 
what is it that's happening when you're experiencing something? So, for example, if say you imagine, imagine how great this would be. Imagine you were going to go to a dinner party. How great would that be, right? Oh, uh, remember those? I know. I miss those so much. Do you remember people? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. So okay. we're going to a dinner party, but you don't really know many of the people there. And you're more of an introvert anyways, not to throw labels out there because I'm not ne necessarily a big label fan, but you like to stay home, but you know, you're going to go to this dinner party. But there's an experience there of not really wanting to go, but wanting to go or showing up and not really knowing people and kind of being uncomfortable or being hesitant. So even for me, right, joining this call with all you amazing beings here, I don't know any of you. So I'm coming on and it's just like, ooh, what's my experience in that? How do I sense that there's some hesitation there or some nervousness there? Or like, I don't have a connection with you yet. So my system doesn't perceive you as safe yet until I get to know you a little, right? When we first jumped on, we had a little bit of a conversation, which then allowed my experience to shift. So I'm going to a dinner party and, you know, there's some nervousness or there's some anxiousness or there's this hesitation, but how do I know I'm nervous? How do I know I'm anxious? How do I know that there's some hesitation there, right? There, there's a language happening within our body. And the more we can listen to that experience, the more we can learn to support ourselves from these deeper layers. So if, you know, I was to ask one of you to come on and ask me a question, would your experience of yourself change from you just sitting back and listening versus unmuting yourself and, and coming on to say something, right? Your experience would change. So then the mm. question is, how does it change? Right? Oh, it's, I, I've noticed myself getting a little tighter in my stomach, or I notice my heart beating a little bit more, or I notice a tightness in my throat and there's some you know, this want to like, actually not ask my question because that's too much and that's uncomfortable, but, right? There's this language that happens that the more we can learn to listen to that, the more we can learn to support ourselves in the bigger picture, ultimately. And we'll really start to look at these pieces that we might experience stuckness or, you know, patterns that we're like, oh, why do I keep doing that? Or why do I keep getting in my own way? Or you know, why does this issue keep showing up? It's like, oh, well, how do I start to get curious about what else is happening? So I don't just have to figure it out or try to make sense of, but I can let my body guide me in a new way. Does hmm. that make sense? Yeah. The thing that came up for me was public speaking, which I think hmm. for most everybody generates some kind of response, whether it's sweaty palms or anxiety or fear or all of that. So if you do identify in yourself a sensation or a feeling that you've described in your throat or your stomach, what's the next step then to start to understand what's going on? Like, how do you unpack or unravel that? Mm -hmm. Two of my favorite words are awareness and curiosity. So first there's the awareness of something, and then there's the curiosity of what, what wants to happen here, what can happen here. Often when we experience something that's uncomfortable, we try to shut it down. Can you all relate to that? It's like, oh, I'm feeling anxious. How do I fix it? How do I stop it? How do I make this not so intense? Yet there's a message within that 
So the more we can actually invite some space for the discomfort or invite some curiosity into the experience, the more we'll learn. And I often talk about riding waves with this work. Well, you're a surfer, right? I know, right? Yeah. Kind of fitting. <laughs> So when, when I get activated, I'm moving more into, I'm just going to throw some, some sciencey words in here. I'm moving more into a sympathetic state, meaning that my heart rate is beating more. My, my muscles are getting more blood and more oxygen. I'm ready to do, to take action, right? So as I get more activated, I want to allow that activation to be there because there's this experience that that activation is needed for some reason. Right? So I'm moving up into the activation and now I have some choice here. So let's say, let's use Jeremy public speaking. I'm, you know, I'm next. I can feel, you know, my heart rate's increasing. There's this activation showing up. There's the sweaty palms. There's this sense of like, Ooh, I'm moving up into more sympathetic system kicking in. Now, I can take a few deep breaths. I can ground myself. I can do whatever. And that kind of allows me to settle back down. So I don't actually move through anything. I'm more just like up in it. And now I'm going to pull in a bunch of resources and tools to help settle me. This is what we as a society have learned to do for the most part. Can you all relate to that? Where it's like, there's some activation there. I'm feeling uncomfortable. And then it's like, oh, let's settle that. Because why would I want to be uncomfortable? So I'll share my experience before this call, right? There was definitely some activation there. And instead of trying to take deep breaths or settle myself, I invited that experience to be there. I invited the nervousness to be there. I got curious about how it was showing up. Like, yeah, I could feel my heart beating a lot more. There was a tightness around my heart as well. And what happened then was also the recognition of my space. So I'm not getting caught up into the chaos and sent into the overwhelm of the nervousness. I'm just letting the nervousness, nervousness still be there, but also feeling myself in my space and that I'm here in this safe space. And then I connected with you all and we chatted a little. And then instead of having to make myself settle, I was able to recognize a little more of a sense of feeling connected with you, feeling safe with you all. And then all of a sudden, oh, okay, I can settle a little bit more. And now, yeah, I still have a little bit of redness in my, in my face. And, you know, I'm definitely in that sympathetic response because I'm here engaging with you. And there's still a little bit of nervousness there, but a lot less. It's settled. So I didn't have to do anything to make it settle. I instead just held space for my experience to be there and recognize that I was in a safe space. I connected with you to allow the system to be like, oh, okay, this is okay. Oh, my breath just organically shifted and became a little easier. I felt a little more grounded organically. And here I am. So it's all about awareness of first what's happening and then curiosity of, A, what do I do? Do I try to manipulate this? Do I try to change it? Not a bad thing whatsoever. And could I actually be curious in this and see what happens if I investigate my experience a little and see what might come out of that? Mm. And sometimes we get shot up into overwhelm and, you know, it's too much. And then we pull in a resource and then we can settle ourselves again, right? But there's opportunity on the daily basis for us to get curious about our experience in that way. 
and you might be amazed at what you learn. Hmm. Well, you're doing a wonderful job. If, if you need any kind of positive affirmation to assist your, <laughs> your wave, your wave <laughs> right. So you're, the positive affirmation would just be this. Like we're just, right. I'm doing hand signals, which people are, who are listening to the podcast won't know, but doing, giving myself a positive affirmation mm-hmm. would ultimately just be me coming up into the activation and then pulling in a resource to settle me again versus organically having the felt sense of feeling seen, feeling supported, feeling Mm. heard, it's okay. Oh, okay, then I shift, right? So the affirmation would satisfy my mind, but it wouldn't satisfy my nervous system. So that's interesting. So it would be somewhat of a bypassing approach to the sensations in your body? It could be, depending on the person. It would, yeah, you need to get curious about that and what the experience is. Mm. How I kind of describe it is if it feels like there's activation and you say something and then there's this settling that happens, that's more like a, uh, and again, it's not that any of this is a bad thing. It's just starting to recognize when do I ride the wave versus when do I move into activation and then step in to support myself to come back down, right? So that feels very different than an organic shift into I'm okay or I'm a little more connected again instead of mm. in that activation. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it might be like your brain knows it's okay, but your body doesn't know it's okay. Totally. And I think that's, that's why I love this work so much. It focuses less on how do I satisfy my mind in recognizing I'm okay and how do I, at a cellular level, experience the shift and know I'm okay? Hmm. How do you do that? <laughs> do this work. <laughs> <laughs> so start, start just by getting curious about your experience, right? And so to start, it's like, oh, I'm noticing I'm, I have some activation online. I'm noticing I'm moving into more of a sympathetic state. Now, what happens if I get curious here? to start um so we have two questions um sunflower in a moment but kim just asked what happens if you what are the benefits of riding the wave through physical and psychological great question yeah so ideally so i'm going to talk about regulation for a second has anyone heard of nervous system regulation it's kind of a topic that's around right now so regulation is when no matter what happens in our day-to-day, we're able to move through our experiences. So I'm out for a walk and I have my dog off leash and you know, I'm out walking. So there's a little bit of activation, but I'm feeling connected with my environment. I'm rolling with it, I'm going. My dog's off leash and he runs across the road as the car's coming. I move up into more sympathetic action. Like there's something wrong here, there's danger here. I need to respond. And then I get them back to the side of the road and then I'm able to settle back down, right? So I've just ridden a wave. I didn't do anything to settle myself down. It's like, well, I'm yelling at my dog to come back. There's this activation. And then as he comes back, oh, my system naturally organically shifts. I have a breath maybe organically the breath comes. I'm not forcing myself to take breath, right? And I settle and there's this, okay, now we're okay again. I put them on leash and I carry on and I'm walking through the woods and then I hear a branch snap, and again, I shift up into more activation. I look around, I realize it's nothing. It was just some bird 
dropping a twig from the tree. And again, I settle back down. Right? Throughout our day, we are constantly moving through these states of feeling more connection, moving into more activation, and then the other state would be more resting and settling. Right? This is constantly happening throughout our day. What we want is to be able to adjust and kick in when we need to kick in, settle when we're able to need to settle. But what happens is that isn't the case. A lot of people have more of a dysregulated nervous system. So say they were walking their dog and uh, the dog runs across the street. Instead, they move up into total anxiousness, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, my dog's gonna, oh my gosh. And then they're stuck there. And there's this underlying tone and energy that's there as they continue on the walk. Instead of coming back down and feeling more connected to the environment again, they're more on, right? There's more the sense of like, who I'm in that anxiousness all the time. So then I'm kind of spending a lot of my day like this, but I can only sustain that on this for so long before I crash. And then I'm just like, oh, I just want to disconnect and I don't want to do my work. I just want to watch Netflix or I just am going to procrastinate this and that because I'm disengaged from myself. So that's ultimately what can happen when there's dysregulation on board. So the reason why we want to work towards riding the waves is because that's ultimately promoting regulation. That's ultimately supporting us to move through the states that we are designed to move through given the situation that's going on around us. And the more we can show our system to do that, teach our system or navigate so that our system does that, the ultimately the bigger capacity we end up having, the more resilient we become. But if we just continue to, ah, something's happening, I need to settle myself, or, oh, let's just rush fresh that under the rug and pretend it's not happening, or, you know, let's not even look at it, that's just promoting more dysregulation. So the reason why we want to do this is, and really look at riding waves, is because we want to show the system that that's possible, especially when a lot of dysregulation is on board. That answer, answer your, your question, Kim? Uh, Kate, Kim or Kate? Kim. Kim, does that answer your question? Cool. Yeah. Cool. So we've got uh, another one from Sunflower. Do you want to jump on and ask that one? Sure. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Sunflower. Hi. Um, so as we start our work through our traumas and working through our somatic senses, um, we start to heal things, but it seems like more things are coming up. So when you kind of started with one issue, you now have three. And then as you work on those three, you now have 27. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of keep that focused on something that's, that's, uh, that you can manage? It just seems that it just spirals down to that rabbit hole and it's very mm -hmm. overwhelming. I hear you. Totally. So here's my invitation to you is to recognize that you're already whole. And this is a big part of my own practice and how I support others is to recognize that ultimately you're already whole. And as we expose all these different fragmentations, we can so easily get caught up in the fragmentations. We can get caught up in all these pieces of what's wrong. But the more you learn to bring awareness and attention to the part of you that's already whole, the more you can start to support yourself from that place. 
And an analogy I use for this that's been really helpful for me, um, I've kind of meshed together an analogy from Peter Levine as well as a, another soul uh, teacher that I work with, Chris Turkeys. And it's, I call it the river of life. So we have this river that ultimately when we're in the river, we're in flow, right? We can move through obstacles as they arise. There's regulation on board. We're going with it. And then in comes one of our trauma patterns and we notice, you know, this thing that's wrong or this thing that I do and I get pulled out of the river and I get pulled into a vortex and I'm caught up in this vortex and I'm trying to navigate my way through the vortex, trying to fix the vortex. And the more I get caught up in that, the harder it is to kind of navigate my way back to the river. And we can have so many vortexes, right? And we can get caught up in a number of different vortexes in one go. But what's important to recognize is that vortex is still connected into the river. And the more we can learn to navigate our way back into the river to support ourselves, to dip into the vortex and not get lost in the vortex, the easier it is to support ourselves in these pieces. I find uh, another few words that I use often is titration and pendulation. And with this river analogy, it's kind of like when I can find my wholeness, when I can find this experience of being connected and in flow, I can dip into the trauma vortex, but then I can pendulate back into the river to be like, okay, yeah, okay, I'm connected here. Now let's dip back into the layer of the vortex of the trauma, but not get fully sucked up into it. Like dip in, ride a wave or two, come back right away or two come back and then this vortex starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller the river gets bigger and bigger because that water from the vortex is now coming into the river and i'm gaining more and more access into that flow instead of back into the vortex so my invitation to you is to i mean you seem to have a little like aha when i said you're already whole you feel that right So the more you can come into that experience and then look at the fragmentations as fragmentations or look at the vortexes as vortexes, uh, something I teach often is like, recognize the quality of the vortex. How do you know you're in it? And then how do you know when you're in wholeness? And how can you pendulate in between those two and do little bits at a time, right? Titrate in, titrate back out. Yeah, unfortunately, the more we reveal, the more there is. (laughs) And the more you come into that wholeness, the less intense these other pieces are and the more you can support yourself through that. That answered your question? I got a thumbs up. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Two. Two (laughs) (laughs) The double. The double. Any other questions from any... Anybody else? If not, I'll keep just peppering you. Um, So full transparency, I had a session with uh, Nicole last year and you asked me this question that still spins me out on a pretty regular basis. I love it. And I thought like, like in the moment, my brain kind of had that little short circuit moment of like, Oh shit. Um, And I was be curious to just hear your take on it as a jumping off point, wherever you want to take it. But it was something like, how do you know who you really are? How do you know what part of you has been a response to childhood or lived experiences 
And how do you tell the difference? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, holy shit. I don't know. <laughs> right? Because we often huh? hear this, oh, you're the river. And oh, just be authentic. Or that's not who you really are. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to that as a starting point if people are really trying to explore who they really are? Mm-hmm. I would invite the curiosity of the difference in the experience of the knowing versus a pattern. So what is the difference in how I experience wholeness or the idea of the river versus a vortex? Does anyone want to volunteer sharing that? If you connect with this idea of wholeness, if that resonates with you, what what are the qualities of wholeness? In terms of just generically? Or right now with the idea of me even... A- throwing this out there at you guys. And again, this might be a totally new idea, but like Sunflower, when I said it, something shifted in you and you could, you felt something. Maybe we at could least just... that's what it looked like and felt like to me. Yeah, if you don't want to speak up, you can use the chat and maybe just throw in a bunch of adjectives. Is that what you're searching for? Some adjectives yeah, sure. and some feedback? Okay. Sure, Yeah, get you guys involved here. Because for me, when I connect into, and wholeness can be a different experience for every single person, right? But to me, like wholeness or knowing or your truth, to me, there's a solidness to it. To me, there's a depth to it. To me, there's, yeah, there's this frequency that is very firm. Sunflower said easy breath, right? There's this sense of like knowing. Something feels more aligned. Something feels like it's a no-brainer. It's a it's a yes. Kate said peaceful. Awesome. And there's just this like, yep, I just know. Calm, peaceful, Danielle said. Thanks, Danielle. And there's this experience that's there that if you inquire, sureness, love that word, comfort, ease. Thank you, Maggie. Right? There's this experience there that's just like, boom. Yeah, I know. Mm. So then if we think of the trauma vortex, if we think of our childhood, um, uh, I don't even want to call them experiences. If we think of who we are more from patterns, whether it's a trauma pattern and it's ultimately all some sort of (laughs) trauma pattern. (laughs) I think I almost put my foot in my mouth there, but... But there's a different quality to that, right? When I'm showing up in that, what does that feel like? Any of you willing to share that? Right? For me, there's more of a constriction there. There's more of a, uh, it kind of feels like higher up in my body. And there's a little more of a, a faster pace to the energy. There's... For me, it's fear. It's like Mm -hmm. a, like a heightened sense of wanting to be correct. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Fear. And then how do you know, how do you experience this feeling of wanting to be correct? Kim said tight stomach. Awesome. Right. Like again, get more specific, Mm -hmm. this fear and this want to be correct, but that want to be correct has a somatic pattern to it. How do you get more specific? Right. So when you're in one of the vortexes, when you're in one of these pieces of like, what's wrong, feeling hot. Yeah, great. 
there's this, there's this pattern that's there with it. And we could get really specific, like what, what Jeremy said, he has a specific event, um, situation of wanting to get it right. So then we can investigate the pattern of how that wanting to get right shows up. Short breath, thank you, Manny. Right? So we can just look at the generic experience of like, how do I know I'm more in a vortex? Or we can look at the actual pattern and be like, how did that pattern fully show up in my system? So then I know I'm in that pattern versus back in my river. Because when I'm in my river, I can still have, I can still move into sympathetic response. I can still move into activation, but I'm not moving into a pattern that is a self-protecting response or a trauma. So I can be moving down the river and have something happen, but if I stay within my capacity and stay in my truth and respond to the situation, like, okay, I'm in the woods. I spend a lot of time in the woods. I'm in the woods and I hear a branch and there's a bear. I can still stay in the river, but I can respond to shit, that's a bear and I need to do something about that. I'm still going to have that experience of being activated, but I'm not moving into an old pattern that's like, oh, there's a bear. Oh, it's fine. I'm just going to carry on. Right? There's me in my freeze, not even feeling anything, just like whatever. That's more me in my drama pattern versus I can still have activation in my river and still be connected to wholeness and know like I got to do something about this. And I'm not getting stuck into one of my old patterns. Mm. Can I ask a completely tangential question that yeah. you can happily pass on? Okay. So globally, we're going through this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With a virus. Yep. That is potentially deadly. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a significant portion, at least in America, but I, I imagine around the world, that's kind of like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious your thoughts on, um, so when you just described the bear and that some people would be like, yeah, it's a bear. It's fine. I'll just keep walking. Oh, it's growling. Whatever. No worries. Is there some kind of uh, trauma-based rationale that might contribute to the ongoing <laughs> social and cultural dilemmas? Mm. And again, you could pass oh, on no, that. I, I love these kind of questions. Okay. It's great. Oh, I think there's a number of answers to this. Yes, and is going to be my short answer. You know, on one side of it, we can look at the fear that's being implemented in our world and that some people are going to respond to, this is dangerous. And then it's like, holy shit, I need to really be, take this seriously. That can also be a trauma pattern. Mm -hmm. Right. That can also be I'm taking this way out of proportion and I'm being extremely careful and I'm not. I mean, you know, there's of course we want to stay within the guidelines, but it's like I'm being so fearful that I'm limiting my life because of the fear versus because of I need to be cautious and respectful and understand that this is serious. So that on one end can be a trauma pattern. On the other end, it's like, I don't care. This is nothing. I'm invincible. That can also be a trauma pattern. Um, and then on the other end of that spectrum, that person might also, oh, like I know some really regulated people who fall into the category that you are talking about. And it's interesting to watch this 
because they're seeing it from the perspective of, well, we're all being bullied into fear, right? So I think some people will have regulation on board and again, it's all perspective. It's all views on like, they think there be people are being bullied into fear and this is bullshit. And it's not that coronavirus, COVID isn't bullshit, but the, how we are being told to live our life is bullshit. Then you're going to get the other people who are ignorant and assholes about it and totally don't give a shit, right? There's such a big spectrum of what can be triggered in what's going on right now. And ultimately all of our responses is our, our trauma patterns showing up hmm. in many different ways. So I don't have a like, I mean, to yes, be fair, no, that everything. that question was was certainly like an entire Costco sized can of worms oh, yeah. uh, that we could do hours right upon hours upon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just intrigued. I guess perhaps at a at a different level, um, the question would be around how does individual trauma scale with societal trauma, mm-hmm. right? And is there a link? If so, what is it? What do we do about it? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's perhaps another Costco-sized can of worms. It is, for sure. Yeah. But I'll have a go at it from a very, a slightly different perspective. If we look at how us as human beings were back in the day, we were very tribal-based. We were very community-based. We were very much about supporting one another and no matter what, if something happened, you were still welcomed back home and you were still held in a container where it's okay, right? And I think at the root, that is what's needed for our world to really heal, is to come back to that root of belonging, that root of having a safe space and connection with others to really come back into that and recognize like, we're in this together, right? And I think that's what we've lost. And that's where our world is right now is there's this very individual I kind of life happening. And within that we lose, have lost the sense of connection with each other. And that's why, that's why we are where we are right now. So, that's why I love that you do this, Jeremy. I think we need more of this. We need more community. We need more connection with one another. We need to know we're not alone. We need to know we have a sense of belonging. We need to recognize what it means to be safe. We need to feel in our bodies what that actually means. And the more we can invite that into our world right now, the more everything else will start to mend and come together and we'll evolve in a very different way than if we stay down the track that we're going mm. so i didn't directly answer your question but i kind of wanted to throw that in there yeah in relation to that question yeah yeah um what is your perception of trauma like how do you define it like what actually is it yeah in us you know it's so many things um it's everything it's everything we can look at it as you know shock trauma is easy it's like i was in an accident and ever since i haven't been in the same 
something happened to me in my life where ever since I've been the same because my system still believes there's something going on relative to that accident, right? Like I got in a car accident, now I struggle driving or now anytime I drive, I feel super anxious or anytime I get home from driving, I'm totally exhausted and I don't know why. And it's because driving is now associated to the trauma and I think that's dangerous and I'm just, you know, on in my survival pattern anytime I'm in a car. That's like shock trauma. That's pretty easy to look at. But if we look at developmental trauma, if we look like look at intergenerational trauma, if we look at pre and postnatal trauma, if we look at, you know, the ongoing trauma we might have experienced throughout our childhood, like bullying or shaming or neglect or, you know, there's so many topics that fall into that. That ultimately is another picture. That's like, I can't pinpoint what my trauma is. I just know that I struggle in life. I know that I have a hard time showing up as myself. It doesn't feel okay. Or I feel like I always have to get it right. I don't know why it wasn't one event that happened. It's just there's some sort of block or there's some sort of pattern there that I'm stuck in. And I can't quite identify what the trauma is. I just know I'm stuck. And I keep continuing to repeat this pattern. I know I'm not the pattern. I know it's just a fragment or a vortex. I know that's not me. But I keep showing up in that. So trauma to me is the lack of ability to stay in truth and is us ultimately trying to survive instead of being in flow. And yeah, the results can be from so many different things and it can show up so differently in all of our systems. Mm. It can show up in behavior, it can show up in digestion, it can show up in disease, it can show up in, yeah, so many different ways. Is that one other way to look at your occupation is that you're like a truth guide, like you guide people back to their own truth? I like, I like to think, I like that. Yeah, sure. I'll take that. I mean, you could, you could use it if you want. <laughs> Thank you. I might. <laughs> but it sounds like that's a good marketing revamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it sounds somewhat that that's what it is. If like a trauma vortex is not our truth, we're actually living a lie and calling it a pattern. Mm-hmm. And that we're, we're in flow when we're in acceptance, we're actually living our authentic truth. And mm-hmm. you're kind of the, the kind of messenger or not messenger, but the, the portal, so to speak, it's like, you got to go this way instead yeah. of that way. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, ultimately I also want to support people and not necessarily finding the, like go this way or go that way, but yeah. Hey, here's some insight for you to explore how to find a way. Yeah. How does that feel kind yeah. of stuff? Yeah. Well, and yeah, because I think we know, and the more we can connect with that knowing coming back to that, the more we can trust that. And the more trauma we have in our way, the harder it is to connect to that deeper knowing to intuition, right? It's our instincts are askewed because it's like, I need to step up from my trauma pattern instead of mm. step in from my truth. Um, but yeah, ultimately weeding through the weeds of it yeah. all. Yeah. One way that I've described intuition, uh, and I'm curious if you can correct me if I'm just totally off base here, so please do. Um, 
but I kind of have viewed it as a muscle and that if you have gone 20 years without actually using your intuition, then it's kind of atrophied and you can't really see it. And it's perhaps not as strong as it could be if you used it every day. Uh, is that a fair analogy? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, I would add to that that the reason why it's not there is because it's the trauma that's getting in the way of accessing it. Mm. But the muscle doesn't know how to fire yet because the other muscles are firing instead of it. The mm. trauma patterns are firing instead of the intuition. Mm. And what's really interesting with intuition, it's much like the river versus the trauma vortex. Intuition has a different quality to it. Right? That knowing quality is in intuition. Mm. So when you're looking for an intuitive hit, when is it more that deeper yes, the knowing, versus that hit of like, oh, it's got some energy to it, it's got some panic to it, or it's got some like, oh, should to it, right? Like, oh, that's not intuition. That's me just back in a trauma pattern. Mm. So starting to recognize, oh, that muscle's being used versus that muscle that doesn't know how to be used yet. Oh, that is that it? It's really quiet. Hmm, should I follow that? I think it's firing. No, I'm going to follow that. I imagine you would get that a lot. I, I do as a coach. It's like, oh, I don't know what I want. It's like, oh, yeah, you but do. You do. <laughs> well, I'm, well, like, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> That's too easy. Yeah, uh, exactly. or, or you work with someone and it's so obvious what they do want and what their entire life is pointing them towards. Mm -hmm. And you want to just sort of shake them and be like, pat them on the back. It'll be fine, but it's... Uh -huh. Can't. Can. <laughs> and that's that's hello trauma. Thank you. Right. Mm. We love what's familiar and comfortable. And sometimes what we should do isn't comfortable. Even though there's the knowing of what you should do, it's scary as fuck. So we migrate to what's comfortable. And we can't even even look at this other piece because it's like, oh no, that can't be the right thing, because that's no, ooh, that's scary. Right. When we know. You know, but it's like, oh, but this familiar thing is just so good. And I know it so well. And why would I go off that train? That's, yeah. So it's so true. And they need to, people need to be ready to get uncomfortable. People need to have the capacity online to get uncomfortable, to step into that knowing, even when it's scary. And yeah, we unfortunately can't force them. It'd be nice though. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, do you have any analogies or acronyms or tips or tricks for how to address fear when learning to trust your intuition? Or perhaps I think if to the fear if the fear has a flavor to it that is if it's fear mixed with knowing, if it's fear mixed with curiosity, if it's fear mixed with if I took that step and I, I think about like one year later, what would that look like? Expansive and amazing. Oh, okay. Then be in the fear. Does that answer that question? Mm. One way that I've heard it described was years ago, somebody was giving me guidance when it came to public speaking. And they said, uh, isn't this exciting is one way to kind of reframe the moment when you're, Home is right. And again, after talking to you for an hour, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe that's not the best idea. But um, when they were talking about uh, a, racing, a racing pulse or sweaty palms or 
something like this, it's like, oh, this is actually excitement. You think it's fear, but it's actually excitement. Mm, I like that. I, ultimately, if we bring it back to the river and the count in the trauma vortex, or okay, thinking about public speaking is pulling me into the trauma vortex. So the fear is, oh, I'm moving into the trauma vortex. I think I answered your question more as the fear of doing the unknown versus the fear of like, Ugh. but if I'm in the fear, I'm still connected with the river. So what can I do to dip into that? So I can think of the excitement. Oh, the excitement's over here. It has way more of an expansive feel to it. I can feel the contrast of expand of excitement versus fear. Mm. One's more contracting, the other's more expansive. So to me, it's not necessarily a like, oh, I'm moving up and trying to bypass. Not that moving up and coming back down is bypassing, but to me, it's like, what can I do to dip into the counter vortex? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I like that. So that can be a number of things. It could be like I said, um, I didn't say this, but feeling my feet on the ground, feeling my butt in the chair, looking around and recognizing my space, right? That's what I said about coming on this call. It's like, well, I looked around and I could see that the space was, I'm, I'm here. I know my space well, right? Mm. There's, what can I do to pull me out of the vortex and into back into like, oh, okay, here I am less intense mm. i just adore you i'm conscious of your time and and our time as well but before we go i know you've got uh, a website for example and perhaps an instagram account and maybe a course coming up where can people find you how can they get more of your genius all those social media things yeah um, so my website's just by name. So N-I-C-O-L-E-L-O-H-S-E.com. So NicoleLowes.com. And my Instagram is nlows.com. And yeah, my program I'm super excited about. It's called Discover. And I've broken it up into two components. There's the Discover content, and that's four modules where people can just geek out and dive in and gain insight into what the work I do is all about. So it's I dive into educational components. There's also self-explorational components and self-reflecting pieces. So ultimately, it's a platform where you get to dive in into understanding what it is I do and why this work is so important and support yourself on your journey and really play with integrating the tools that are part of the program into everyday life. This isn't just like a quick fix, do this, boom, we got this. It's not the, oh, everything's wrong with me and I need to fix this. It's like, no, how do we really integrate? And then the other portion of Discover is a community-based side. So my intention with community is to create that space of What's it like to have that sense of belonging to something, of knowing what it's like to have space held for you? Much of what you create here, Jeremy, which I think is so valuable, right? This, we're in this together. We're here with one another. So with my Discover content, it's like dive in, do your thing. And then here we are as a community doing the work together. And within that part of the program, I run weekly calls we do check-in calls where we just all come online or whoever's available comes online and we share a bit about our experience. We do Q and A's. 
I bring in guest speakers and I do demo calls. So I do a mini one-on-one with someone and then we debrief after and talk about what happened and how that can implement for other people and their experiences. And then I also have movement classes as part of that program because to me, movement, as you all know, I shared in the beginning, movement has been such a big part of my journey. So I, I have... I taught some of the movement classes and I bring in guest teachers. So lots of movement classes to choose from because everything gets recorded and gets put into a library. And every month there's also an additional tool to continue the exploration around this work. So to build on top of the discover content, there's additional tools that I get into. So a whole lot of information. And a whole lot to dive into. I love to geek out, clearly. <laughs> and it's, yeah, such an amazing opportunity to do it with a group of people who are on the same program and interested in the same stuff. Mm. So yeah. if you, I will uh, put links to all of that stuff in the show notes. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you graciously created a coupon code called Love Bombs that saves people a bunch of money. Yeah. So I, that's great. People, yeah, right. I know. I, I mean, money is money is valuable. <laughs> Getting a discount is great. <laughs> um, but yeah, for anyone who's part of your community, I have offered sixty dollars off the actual content, and then the community is a monthly payment of sixty dollars, and there's a the coupon will also work for your first month to be free, so you can at least get in there and suss it out and see if it is something that resonates and then yeah so 120 canadian dollars because i am canadian and i do everything in canadian dollars and i'm hoping our canadian dollar will keep coming up (laughs) you're so canadian (laughs) right (laughs) we're doing great up here we're doing great (laughs) um okay so i'll put links to all that in the show notes um you're a you're a gem thank you so much for coming in joining us. I know I speak for the rest of the team with um, sincere appreciation and gratitude for who you are and what you do and how you're doing it makes it feel so accessible and understandable, at least to me. So I'm assuming to others because not the sharpest penny in the drawer, whatever those expressions are. You're a doctor. What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, talk to you soon. Thank you. So yeah, that was Nicole Lowe's mind-blowing, kind-hearted, soul-filling human. I've included links in the show notes to all the stuff, including that free webinar. Don't forget the discount code of Love Bombs if you want to check out her offering. I've included a link for that too. And uh, a link for the team, Team Never Give Repper, a monthly membership. There's a monthly workshop led by me. There is a group text message. You can ask me questions every day. And then once a month, I trick an expert like Nicole into joining us. And you can have a Q&A with some geniuses. So I've included links for that as well. Thank you for listening. I just adore the heck out of you. I'm so glad you're here listening to my voice right now. Even though neither of us really know what's about to come out of my mouth. I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're listening. Go and live your best life. Go and live your truth. Do some healing. Have an awakening. Fulfill your destiny. Just go and love your life. It's worth it, you know? You're worth it.